The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here. I am here on this Tuesday, February 8th. Uh, we are just uh, heading towards Super Bowl 56. And if you want to bet Super Bowl 56, bet the game with my bookie. They're going to give you all this free money to play with. All right. They're going to double your first deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. There are very few sites, offshore, onshore, doesn't matter. Very few sites right now that are making this offer. Go to mybookie.com or mybookie.ag. Use my promo code, Kevin DC, and they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. Use my promo code, Kevin DC. That's important. If there's something, something already written in the promo code section, just erase it and write Kevin DC. Even if you've got another place where you're gambling, take their free money. Uh, all the Super Bowl prop bets you need. Uh, Tommy's with me today. I, we're, you know how I have been trying for the last 15 minutes to find a tweet that was sent to me yeah, that I made the mistake of not flagging, not kind of liking or emailing to myself, and I can't find it now in my notifications. But I will paraphrase it for you. It was written okay. by somebody who was very serious about our last show and said, you know, again, I'm paraphrasing. To have a serious, well-thought-out conversation about, about the sexual harassment testimony in front of Congress and then to go straight into a conversation of pinup girls <laughs> was very distasteful and inappropriate. I love the show, but I was offended. Essentially, I- I'm paraphrasing, but it's pretty damn close to what the tweet said and uh, like I, I don't think do you, how many people do you think listening to our show on Thursday actually were offended what percentage well of our, of our audience so, okay i think the fact that it was so remarkably offensive when you think about it <laughs> is what made it funny <laughs> It was so remarkably tone deaf and clueless. Right. It was what made it hilarious. Right. Yes. It's kind of what we do. We're not, you know, we don't always stick the landing, as they say. 
<laughs> you know, it doesn't always happen exactly the way we want it to happen. But we did, and I did contemplate there for just a moment when you brought it up. As you were laughing, bringing it up, I said, well, what should we do? Should we not do it? But I would. But let me just tell you, I would never, I don't think for a moment, I w- if you had said, yeah, we should probably cut it out, and you know how much I listen to your advice on things like this. Um, I, I, it just was, it was, you know, it was not ill intentioned. This transcended (laughs) taste. Okay. This was an event that transcended taste. Yes. I mean, it made taste irrelevant. Right. Well, that was fun. Um, and many, uh, let me just say many, many more people. When I asked you the question, what percentage of our audience that listened to the podcast on Thursday um, were actually offended. I would bet you two percent, two percent of the listeners, because I we both got a lot of feedback that people really enjoyed it, and then people started to debate which of the women were their favorite pinup girls of the various decades. We have some older listeners, there's no doubt, but we have some listeners that are also, you know, um, more in my age category, a child of the '70s. Not that that isn't old at this point. Um, but, uh, yeah, somebody even sent me the Cheryl Teague's, um, uh, poster, uh, that I did have, uh, as a young kid. Um, but that was fun. If you missed Thursday's show, uh, I forget where we even (laughs) talked about it, but I think it was in the middle. No, it was at the beginning of the show. It was kind of in the first segment of the show and you can go listen to that. Um, so listen, one of our listeners said that, uh, uh, she posted on Twitter that uh, about the talk about Charlie's Angels, and she said, I became a police detective in part because of how much I loved this show when I was a kid. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, I watched Charlie's Angels a lot when I was a kid. I mean, that's back when whatever you watched was actually on network TV. <laughs> um, yeah. And Charlie's Angels was a big deal. And I think I had that yeah. right. I don't think anybody corrected me, or I didn't see that anybody corrected me. I believe that Charlie's Angels started with Farrah Fawcett, Jacqueline Smith, and Kate Jackson. And then I think Cheryl Ladd replaced Farrah Fawcett. I, that, that's the part I'm not 100% sure about. It, Cheryl Ladd may have replaced Jacqueline Smith, but I am pretty sure that Kate Jackson was... Um, the constant there. I'm actually looking at the Wikipedia page. So Jacqueline Smith for the TV show, which ran, by the way, Tommy, from 1976 through 1981. Jacqueline Smith was there for all of it. Kate Jackson was there until year three. And then Cheryl Ladd came. Oh, Farrah Fawcett was only there for the first year of the show. I didn't know that. It ran five seasons. Farrah Fawcett was only there for the first year of the show. Cheryl Ladd did replace Farrah Fawcett. So there you go. Okay. I'm glad okay. we got that. Uh, yeah, I out. mean, Farrah, Farrah Fawcett start. I mean, Farrah Fawcett's star impact really took off with that show. I mean, before that, she was known for doing the Noxzema commercial with Joe Namath. With Joe Namath. Yeah. Yes. Take, <laughs> take it off. Take it all off. <laughs> right. 
In fact, I think that was really where she took off was as a I, I commercial so. yeah. person. What year? What year? Because yeah. I've seen those commercials before. I don't necessarily remember them. Is is that sixties when those commercials I, with Namath? No, no, that's, that's early seventies. Okay, probably. I mean, um, after the Super Bowl, probably. Right after Namath Super Bowl win. After Namath Super Bowl win, there was a uh, question last night, which was. On Jeopardy, which was a Joe Namath question about um, the prediction in Super Bowl three. Um, okay, uh, we got a lot to talk about. I mean, I, I want to just start real quickly with something. The Wizards lost last night to the Heat. Um, at one point, they were down by thirty-one in the fourth quarter. That's the second straight game they've gone down by thirty plus in an NBA game. That's really hard to do to be down in back-to-back games by more than 30 in a game. You know, especially the NBA, because the NBA is interesting in that it's like if you have a really bad game, pretty much you typically bounce back with a better effort. But there was this quote um, that I have from Chase Hughes. Actually, Chase Chase came on the radio with me this morning, um, and there's a lot of Wizards chatter with the trade deadline looming on Thursday. But there was this quote after the game from Kyle Kuzma, who said, quote, I think in order to be resilient in a team sport, you have to think about the team first. Right now, it's really, really murky in that sense of trying to have another guy be happy for the next guy, closed quote. That was from Kyle Kuzma. So who is he talk? So who is he talking about? Bradley Beal didn't play last night. Uh, uh, who is he talking about? Uh, you know that's actually a, a good question. That's a really good question because that's that's a question I should have asked Chase. Instead, I think I asked him. You know, th- th- we've heard a lot of these quotes now coming out from various players over the last two weeks. You know, there have been multiple quotes. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie had the quote about, you know, I tried to kind of take some leadership, but nobody was listening. Montres Harrell's had some quotes uh, about how bad the situation has gotten. I don't know if he's talking about anybody in particular, but I can tell you that in most of these cases – And I don't want to put it all on the head coach, but when you have a team that is getting their ass kicked pretty much right now on the regular, and they've got players feeling free enough to come out and discuss what uh, a terrible atmosphere it is right now, you know, usually that falls back on the head coach. You know, uh, now you could... Even in the end... even in the NBA today, well, I mean, because I mean, on, on, on in the NBA today, the person with the least authority on the bench is the coach. Yeah, but the person with the most authority for sort of cohesiveness and happiness is the coach. Like the X's and O's might be less important for an NBA coach, but the other stuff, you know, making sure the players are happy and they feel fulfilled and they're 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 getting what they want, like that's. And, and, you know, um, Chase pointed out, or maybe it was Chris Miller pointed out to me the other day, and it was a pretty good point, you know, they were playing lots of players to begin with, and then all of a sudden Rui Hachimura and Thomas Bryant came back into the picture, and he's got, like, a lot of players, all of whom are decent, 
um, and he's trying to figure it out, and maybe people are upset with playing time. But I think most of this stems from the fact that the discussion about the trade deadline, which is on Thursday, that a lot of these players have been the focus of many rumors about whether or not they're going to be here. And, you know, Beal made the comment a few weeks ago. That's That, that makes it a, a different dynamic in the locker room. Now, Chase did have some interesting news. Beal and his agent met with Wizards Brass yesterday. Now, we don't know what they met about. That would be important to find out. But um, it was, you know, in Chase's opinion that it was more of a Bradley Beal trying to find out what they're going to do here. Because Beal needs to – remember, Beal made that comment about – I don't want to be in the play-in tournament. Well, they're not right now. They're out. They're out of the play-in. They're not. They're the 11 seed, not in the in the seven to ten range. But to, to me, Tommy, this is a significant couple of days here. If you don't trade Bradley Beal, and Bradley Beal ends up walking, this will be one of the biggest missed opportunities that any team has had here locally in years. It would be bigger in some ways than Washington fucking up the Trent Williams situation, the Kirk Cousins situation. This would be uh, you you cannot you know allow Bradley Beal to walk and get nothing for him. And that's how it works in the NBA. There's no like compensatory picks that you get, you know, if you lose somebody to to free agency. There's always a a sign and trade kind of thing, but those are always incredibly devalued if that were to even happen. You know, Tommy Shepard told me a few weeks ago on on radio, there's a real trust. We really believe in Brad and if in he like essentially, he didn't say this directly, but essentially they felt like he would come to us and tell us if he needed to be traded before the trade deadline. He wouldn't. Well, uh, the the Atlantic reported, I think last week, that uh, Beal indicated he's not rejecting out of hand the notion of a trade elsewhere, even though his preference is to remain with the Wizards. The Athletic reported that a little while ago, that he indi- you know before he said I don't want to be traded. Now he says you know I'm willing to consider it. Uh, look, I don't think I. Uh, Tommy Shepard and him, from what I know, are close. Yes, but I can't. I can't fathom that Tommy Shepard would let this opportunity go by. He needs to be traded. I mean, you know, because I mean that, that they're they're not they're not going to be anything except what they've been with him. Are you... I mean, he is not the guy to build the team around. He's a, he's a he's a good shooter uh, who doesn't apparently. From afar, let me make this clear, from afar, but I think my perceptions are right on this, doesn't offer a whole lot of leadership qualities for the team. It's not a problem, but does not offer a lot of leadership qualities. It's not an alpha dog. Where are you seeing the the athletic? Who who had the athletic report? Did did you say that you just Uh, saw it? the athletic had it. I know who. Uh, I think... uh, it was David Aldridge and Josh Robbins. Okay, Josh and Robbins. It, was, it came out in, in early February, in, in the early part, a couple of weeks oh, okay. ago. Oh, okay, all right, okay. I thought you said it just came out, or it just came out recently. No, it came out about a week ago. Okay, yes. So, so I mean, I think I think they trade him, and this guy, this this Tommy Shepard, they should create a a trade trophy. 
just for the guy who managed to get rid of John Wall's contract, okay, and then managed to trade Russell Westbrook and get all those players back. I mean, that, those are two general manager miracles. I understand that. That he managed to pull off. He's right. got another one in him. He needs to trade Bradley Beal. Yeah, because those trades, which they would not be forgotten, as I never forgot many of the great Ernie Grunfeld trades either. <laughs> 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 um, but I, uh, I think that the whiff on on not getting anything back for by far and away the biggest asset you've had in years um would be would go down as a major whiff and i look it's a, it's a it's a complex situation because bradley could tell them look i want to be here and he has said that before and it's kind of nice that a really good player wants to be here you know um there's, there's a lot of that going on. We'll get to Russell Wilson here uh, in a moment. Uh, not that Russell's saying he wants to be here. He's just saying that he wouldn't be against it. Uh, but anyway, um, he not only does he want to want to be here, but he likes it here. And Bradley's a good – like John Wall and Westbrook and Gill. I mean, well, let's focus on, on Wall and Gill. Uh, issues, yeah. you know, around these two. Yes. Yeah. Bradley Absolutely. Bradley Beal is so highly respected. A good guy. Great, great person guy. by all accounts. Yes. But it doesn't mean that he didn't say, I want to be here. I'm going to sign a long-term deal. I just want to see what you guys are doing here at the trade deadline. How are we going to get better, et cetera, et cetera. And then three months down the road, change his mind. You know, um, I'll I'll say what I've said so many t- times about Bradley Beal. You know this. Going back to the early days of Bradley Beal, when it was Bradley and John, and they were making the playoffs and they were competitive in the playoffs. I like Beal. I've never loved Beal. I think Beal's a, a really good player, and I think he's turned into a high level scorer. But if Bradley Beal is your best player and your highest paid player, you're never going to contend for an NBA championship. Yeah. Never. Absolutely and, and right. So, at, you've been absolutely right about that. And so I, I, I – look, if they ended up getting a lot back for him, like stuff that they could build on, and Chase was kind of of the mindset. By the way, Chase, who covers this team for NBC Sports Washington, said that you know his – the possibility of Beald being traded is definitely growing as we approach the trade, trade deadline in his mind. And it wasn't – it was a long shot just a few days ago and isn't as much of a long shot anymore. I'm just telling you that this is one of those where Tommy Shepard or Ted Leonsis, they need to sit down with Brad and his agent, and by the way, probably Brad's wife, and they need to look at him and say, look, we love you. Yes. We want you to stay here. Mrs. 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 Beal. Because I think Mrs. Beal is uh, <laughs> has Mr. Beal's ear, both of them. Um so, are you trying to suggest that old Brad doesn't have a vote in his household? You don't know that for sure. Um, no, I don't. So, we need them to sit down with them, and you need to say, look, this is hard, and we understand that you could change your mind down the road, but we really need to know now, today, because we can't, as a franchise, 
you know, lose you without getting a lot back. And we would hate to see you go because we love you. And you're so good for the team and the community. And you're going to be a big part of this thing until you retire one day. Hopefully, you know, with a championship ring or two. Doubtful. Um, But we got to know. And I have the sense that, well, Tommy's really smart. I I mean, I I really like Tommy a lot. And I have the sense that he knows this, but I hope – they're taking into consideration that he is a young guy who may not make all of his decisions without some assistance and that his mind could change. And you just have to really have a good sense of where he is because you can't miss out on this opportunity. And, can't, can't miss out on this opportunity. And, and where does the owner fit into all this? Well, Would he, the owner get in the way of trading Bradley Beal? I don't need. I mean, the owner. I mean, isn't the owner basically walking the the floor as a pit boss at the at the casino next door? No. Well, you know, I mean, he reads the crawl on the bottom of the TV screen. Bradley Beal trade talk heats up. He's going to notice that. He's he's going to say, "Make sure you don't give that guy any more credit." I'll be right back. Um, <laughs> I mean, we don't know where, where Ted thinks on all this. I mean, he's blocked trades before. Somebody told me, by the way, just you as know? an aside, somebody told me the other day, I have to watch HBO Real Sports, or maybe it's the Costas show, the new Costas show, because Ted was on there as somebody you know, speaking very authoritatively about sports gambling and the big opportunity that it is for people for a career. Hey, if you're out of work... You know, go down to the William Hill Sportsbook right next to, you know, attached to the Capital One Arena. I mean, there's a career for you. Um, so I, I didn't see it. I haven't seen it, and I haven't looked for it. I, somebody told me, you got to see some of the things that he said in this. It would, it's going to drive you crazy. Well, I can already predict, you know, with the data and with the analytics, you know, the better's much smarter and the better really has a chance, you know. I mean, they've really put they've put a lot of these sports books into a very difficult situation. <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> right. As as another hotel goes up in Vegas, and another sports betting casino uh, and sports book opens up uh, in DC. Um, anyway, uh, all right. Well, that's... I don't think he's going to be traded, but I think he should be. And I trust Tommy to get the assets that would make make it worth the trade. Except Ben Simmons, you don't want Ben Simmons, do you? Well, I mean that's that's okay. one of the conversations. I mean, uh, look, I know Ben Simmons. There's so much about his game that I absolutely adore. Um, but of course. He, but it, but he's he's essentially proven to be completely and utterly immature and unreliable. No, I don't want him. Right, <laughs> he. This is a guy. Who, who, who obviously is not going to take the time to learn the one part of his game that would make him an MVP. Well, beyond that, this is somebody who is um, has committed to an organization. They've committed to pay him for certain services, and he's unwilling to provide those services. I, I just, I don't know where some of these people get their 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 you know advice from. Um, I. I Look, it's not just that he refuses to work on it. There's a mental block associated with it as well. So they've got to fix that in him. But I I wanted to read this other thing real quickly because I know we're spending far too much time 
on the NBA (laughs) and on the Wizards, (laughs) as many people will inform me after this podcast is put out. But Chase Hughes put this tweet out yesterday. Did you see this about Russell Westbrook? Did you see it? I don't think so. Okay, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it to you, and I want you to. I want you to give me um, your. If I saw it, would you still read it? Let me ask you a question. If I saw it. Would you still read it? Yes, but the reason that I wanted okay. to know if you had seen it or read it is I actually want your immediate reaction to it, okay? Chase Hughes yesterday, NBC Sports Washington covers the Wizards. I like Chase a lot, um, and he's doing a hell of a job and has been. Uh, a scenario told to me from someone whose identity I will protect. Lakers. Okay, I read this. I read this. Lakers trade Westbrook for Wall. Rockets buy Russ, as in Russell Westbrook, out. Russ, as in Russell Westbrook, signs with Wizards. Their reasoning, Beal, Rui, Rui Hachimura, Gafford, were good with Russ. Wiz had better winning, winning percentage last year. It's wild. But I made a Photoshop to help you visualize it, and he put uh, wizard, uh, Russ back into a Wizards uniform. So when you read this, now that you have remember what it was that I was talking about, did you think this was a report or just a just kind of a wild, you know, having a conversation with a friend? I thought it was a wild having a conversation with a friend okay. scenario. All right. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. When I didn't I, think it was a report, but I, I tend to read things pretty closely, you know, <laughs> as opposed to the rest right. of the human race. Right. Well, I just <laughs> look. I just look at the pictures. Um, Ch- <laughs> Chase uh, was on with me this morning, and he said, "Yeah, it was kind of a conversation with somebody." But he said it certainly makes a lot of sense because Russell Westbrook, as predicted here by by the way, a person as you know, that has always been a huge Russell Westbrook fan, but really last year and in more recent years has come to the conclusion you're ne- just never going to win with Russ. Um, it's been a disaster uh, wait a for minute. him in L.A. Uh, can I raise my hand? Yes. Can I raise my hand, you, sir? You, you called it. You called it. Okay. Is, okay. That, is that what you wanted? We could, we could move on now. Go okay. ahead. Okay. Um, when he was in Oklahoma City, I thought that you could win with Russell Westbrook. And, you know, they, they got close. They got close two years. They, you know, lost in the finals to, you know, the Heat. And then they were up 3-1 on the Warriors to get back to the NBA Finals again. Um, he's been a disaster uh, in L.A. <laughs> and yeah. and it, it, couldn't have, it, it couldn't happen to a better guy, LeBron, I'm talking about. Because Westbrook is... You know, by uh, this is the one thing about him that I thought was interesting when he was here last year, is how well liked he is by his teammates, and how much of a leader he is, and how respected he is, and what a genuine, authentic person he is. We heard that over and over again from people. And I remember having a long conversation with Tommy Shepard about it, both, I think, both on the air and off it. He's like, he's just nothing like people believe he is personally. And, um, but it's been a disaster. I think his heart, I think his heart is always in the right place. I think he's got a good heart. I think that's what it is. Uh, uh, but his head is, is not where it should be when you need it. Right. Um, can I just His do that is I'm going to win this game and I'm going to drive through these three guys because I'm the only one can do it. 
Yeah, it's painful. Um, I, I wanted to mention real quickly, as long as we're on uh, everybody's favorite topic, basketball, that the Virginia-Duke game last night was spectacular. It was such a great game, and I love watching Tony Bennett coach. And, uh, you know, Duke got every call down the stretch, and they still lost on a three, in which Reese Beekman, who made the three for Virginia with 1.1 seconds left to win it uh, at Cameron Indoor, in the last Virginia game against Krzyzewski at, Cam- at Cameron Indoor, um, he got fouled, and they didn't call it. But he made it, and, and they won the game, and it was a, a high-level um, college basketball game, and it makes me jealous. Look, the Big Ten's been awesome, and the the venues are great. And Maryland's been in some high level, intense games, you know, since it entered the Big Ten. And I've come to enjoy it. You know, I, I'm I, I think much more so than I thought I would originally. I mean, there have been some nights where you know they've had big games at Illinois or Purdue or you know Indiana or Wisconsin or Ohio State, and it's it's it, it's cool. Michigan State. Um, but I still, when I watched last night, especially in Shashevsky's last year, Tommy, you know, I, I just I miss it, you know, and I and I see like two yeah. real ACC teams, Virginia and Duke, and I'm like, this is you know, this is K's last year. Like Maryland should be on this schedule twice, you know. There should be a one last Maryland versus K game at Cameron, and one last one up here. And you know, I don't think he would ever admit it publicly. But I bet you that that he would love to just f- have the feeling that they used to have walking in to either Cole or Xfinity. But be- beyond that, the reason I brought it up, great game, good win for Virginia too. There, they were promoting this um, this series that is airing on the ACC Network called the Tournament. A history of ACC men's basketball, but it's a history of the uh, the men's ACC basketball tournament, and it's ten episodes. And episodes one and two were last night. I watched episode one. Um, I will watch episode two. There, there, there. I guess there are two episodes each week, right through the beginning of the ACC tournament, uh, totaling ten. And look for me. I mean. I, the ACC, the NFC East and the ACC are part of my, you know, sports rooting DNA. And the ACC tournament for a lot of, a lot of us was one of the highlights of the year. It was a big deal. I've been to like 10 of them. Um, it, it, it was the tournament. You know this, Tom, even though that you're not a, a big you know, college hoops guy or anything. You know that the ACC tournament was, was the, one of the biggest jewels in the sport. I mean, in some yeah, ways, for I many years, it was nearly as big as the NCAA tournament. And the, some of the games that have been played and some of what's, you know, I, I mean, the first episode started essentially with, you know, kind of how the ACC came about and eventually how the tournament came about. And Everett Case was uh, the coach of NC State in the 50s and 60s. And I've heard that name many, many times over the years. I did not understand the impact he had. And essentially, he is the guy responsible for the ACC tournament and ACC basketball being big. And the first person to talk about Everett Case's significance to the conference 
is well, you know, I don't know, Lefty. Oh, yeah, uh, Lefty. Yeah, yes. so Lefty, it was on there talking about, he said, every case is the reason, I, you know, every case is the reason the ACC became anything. Why basketball became big in the South. It was all about football. And so it, it pleased me to no end early here in episode one that Maryland wasn't going to be excluded somehow or minimized in this series. It can't be. I mean, Maryland was a huge part of the league and of the ACC tournament itself. And the episode that airs um, this coming Monday, it's episode four, and it's called 1973-1974, was maybe one of the most significant seasons in college basketball history um, because Maryland played NC State in the ACC tournament final. I think many of you know this story. I'm not going to go on and on and, uh, about it, but it's it's widely considered one of the greatest, if not the greatest, college games ever played. It was between number one NC State and number three Maryland, and only the winner went to the NCAA tournament. The loser went home, and Maryland lost a classic 103 to 100. And they were left out, and NC State went on to win the national championship. They beat UCLA in the semifinals, and they beat um, uh, Marquette in the final, Al McGuire's Marquette team in the final, and Maryland got left home. Well, the NCAA tournament at that point said, well, enough is enough. I mean, Maryland would have had a chance to win the national championship. They certainly would have been in the final four, and they didn't even go to the tournament. So they expanded the tournament and allowed more than one team from each league to get in, the at-large um, you know, bid opportunity was born, and they called it the Maryland Rule because of that. And that was a very significant uh, moment in time in, in, in the explosion of, the, of, the, of college basketball and of the NCAA tournament in particular because it was only like 25 teams and then the 32 teams and then the 48 teams, and it didn't become the full 64-team bracket until 1985. But a lot of these moments and a lot of them coming out of the ACC in particular are the moments that, that changed – you know, and brought college basketball to the forefront because you're old enough to remember when it was essentially just UCLA and then the NIT became a big deal because everybody yes. knew UCLA yes, was going to win the NCAA tournament. Absolutely. The NIT was a big deal in my, in my early days of watching college basketball. I don't think there was any stretch of college basketball better than the 1980s ACC and Big East. I think that that was the best, you know, um, you know, everybody was staying four years. Very few were leaving early, and if they left early, it was after three years. But, you know, Patrick Ewing stayed four years. Ralph Sampson stayed four years. Len Bias stayed four years. You know, as you got into the late 80s and into the early 90s, Christian Leitner stayed four years. So, you know, you it, it was just a different sport where you grew with the players, you grew with the teams. The coaches in the programs were still kind of the stars, but the players, you knew them, and you watched them grow. And the the, the talent, I mean – on any given night in the ACC, in you know, in the mid eight mid mid eighties, I mean, it was you know Jordan against Bias. It was it was just the uh, you know Mark Price and 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 Kenny Smith. It was unbelievable what you had night in and night out in that league. Um, and the Big East at the same time, which was a you know very young league, was blowing up 
with Georgetown, uh, with Villanova, with St. John's, with Syracuse, you know, and all the teams out of the Big East. And, and it, it was the heyday, it, I think, for college was, basketball. It was blowing up in markets that typically didn't watch college basketball. Like New York. New York and Philadelphia. Well, Philly, Philly did. Philly was always, count yeah, that. yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, it was blowing, and Boston College was part of yes. the Big East as well, you know? So, yeah, I mean, the Big East, I mean, it, because of their geography, had that huge impact uh, on college basketball. Yeah, it was it was big. I mean, Gary Williams is, you know, Gary Williams was coaching BC in the early days of yeah. the Big East. Yeah. And, by the way, coaching them yeah. to, to, you know, Sweet 16s and Elite 8s. Um, and, uh yeah. Uh, but th- that was the heyday. So I- I'm I'm looking forward to this. I think for any ACC basketball fan, like I can tell you that last night's episode one was so well done. It was well produced. It was well done. It was informative. It was fast moving. So I'm looking forward to to watching this. Okay, um, this is what we usually do. We just we have a plan and we never stick to it. When we come back. Uh, I'll get Tommy's thoughts on Russell Wilson. Did you see what Kyler Murray did? Uh, And there's more to get to right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Subscribe to the podcast. Please, it doesn't cost you a thing. Also, rate us and review us. Please do it on Apple in particular. Uh, That's huge for us if you can rate us five stars, if you haven't rated us already. And then write a one to two sentence review. It's really, really crucial for us that we continue to get the ratings and the reviews on Apple and Spotify in particular. Uh, You wanted to get to something real quickly. Right. Uh, I wanted to let you know that I have been a State Farm auto insurance customer for probably close to 40 years. Uh-oh. And this week, I, I called State Farm, and I told my agent, 
that I was cutting my ties with the insurance company. And I told them why. Why? Because Aaron Rodgers is their spokesman. I'm done with them. Are you serious? I changed my car insurance, yes, because Aaron Rodgers is their spokesman, and I can't stomach that guy. So I'm not spending money on insurance that he's trying to sell. Are you being serious? Are you so ju- I told him. Are you, are you, you're serious? I'm 100% or... serious. And, 100% serious. And, and what did they say? They said, you're not the first. Mm. Okay. You're not the first one. And so did did you get specific as to why Aaron Rodgers is forcing you to drop State Farm as your longtime insurance you know carrier? What? I, I, I think people who are smart enough mm-hmm. don't need to have an explanation. I right. think they understood why. You know, your initial position on this, on the vaccination, was... Um, you know, that basically anybody in your life that didn't get vaccinated would be, you know, would, would essentially be, uh, off, uh, you know, would not be, would not be someone that you would communicate with, right? F- friends or family members. Well, that's a bit extreme and I'm still working on my list. So you're still working. taking me some time it, it's taking to get to Aaron Rodgers. Does anything about kind of what we've learned about the vaccination change your mind at all? That, you know, it, it isn't Absolutely necessarily not. something that keeps you from getting COVID? Because that was your position from the beginning. That you you you, you, you took, uh, you know, you hook, what. line, and sinker every single what. thing they said about the vaccination. Okay. It, 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 it keeps you, pro- it gives you a much better chance of living. You know what? If that's a fudge, then I'll live with that fudge. <laughs> that's it. Well, wait a minute. A vaccination, um, getting vaccinated initially was, you know, something that was good for mankind. We're trying to eradicate COVID-19. We're trying to eradicate a disease. And history tells us that more times than not, if you've got the right vaccine and enough people take it, it, w- it can eradicate the disease. And this was your position, that people weren't doing what was right for mankind. Therefore, you know, they were selfish, right? And my position has not changed because but but, it's, but But that's not, the, of, but that's not the what disease. the vaccination's doing. It's that's, not eradicating the that's disease. That's not true. It's not. Oh, it, you're, you're hopping on eradicating. And I'm saying hmm. the, 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 the vaccine helps reduce the spread. It does help reduce the spread, but not by anywhere near what they told us it would do at the beginning. Your chances of getting COVID-19 if you're vaccinated and boosted are less than if you weren't vaccinated and boosted. But the real benefit... And Rogers the real benefit of the asshole. vaccine is as a therapeutic asshole. Well, if you think he's an asshole because he was disingenuous and he lied to the media about being immunized versus vaccinated, that's one thing. But I think your position that people can't have or be curious or question, you know, uh, a, a vaccination that was, you know, put together pretty quickly and and have some questions about it i think is a ridiculous position to have ridiculous well that's to cancel somebody because of that okay because you've kind of been you've already been proven wrong to a certain degree no no you're the one who's who's wrong about my position i didn't say the vaccine was going to eradicate yes you did but i wouldn't be no i didn't yes you did so i said no i said the vaccine would 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 stop the spread you said that you it was self. You, you said, okay, okay, hold on. Let, let me back. Let me backtrack a tiny bit. 
Your position was that anybody that doesn't get vaccinated is selfish. We're trying to yes. eradicate a disease, and the health no, people... You can't do it. You keep using this word, well, and I say you're trying to well, stop why the would they, spread of the disease. Well, then why would they be selfish if they didn't take it? What, what was the point of taking it? Well, because because if more people took it, the, the vaccine, the, the spread of disease would not be as great, and more people would not be at risk. Okay. I mean, these are simple things, Kevin. I mean, I don't understand why you don't understand such simple elementary things. <laughs> well, I do understand very elementary things. I understand that for you to, to, to suggest that somebody's being super selfish because they're curious about the vaccination, and they may have, by oh the way, in many cases, curious. legitimate reason, reasons for not taking it, uh, by the way, I think is, you know, it, it's, it's cancel culture. I mean, you're, 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 well, you're, you know, you're canceling oh, him. Yeah. You're canceling him. Yeah, I am. I am I know canceling you. them. Well, you canceled your insurance Absolutely. because of him. So let me ask you, what, yes, what, what kind exactly. of insurance did you get? What kind of insurance? What did you switch your insurance uh, to? Well, I'm not going to tell you who I went to. Well, did you but, find uh, out that uh, it, they, it you, did you find out and make sure that all of their spokespeople are vaccinated? No, you see, that, that, <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a bullshit argument. Okay, <laughs> that, that's like the steroid argument in the all fame. I don't need to know about all the insurance companies. Right, I just know right. about this one. All right. Okay. Fair enough. So, but you know, I th- okay. I think, and actually, but actually, because I did this, mm-hmm. I saved three hundred dollars on my insurance for the year. <laughs> really. Great. I had awesome. I never shopped around really before. Awesome. So I saved three hundred bucks. Well, maybe you can take that three hundred dollars and and put it to some sort of research for you know some some disease that you're concerned about. Um, maybe I should put it to a re-education program for you. Well, I don't need a re-education program. There isn't one thing that I've stated that's incorrect. Uh, the vac- <laughs> the vaccination has become a therapeutic. And by the way. I'm pro-vaccine, as you know. I'm vaccinated and I'm boosted. And every single person in my life I recommend it highly to because it significantly reduces your chance of getting sick. By the way, as losing weight and being healthy and not being over the age of 80 does too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, what, that that that's a good argument. Well, it's well, it's not an argument. It's just a, it's just a it's just a fact. It's just a fact. One is a needle, and one is oh, this is bullshit. One is a needle, and the other is a change in lifestyle. Which one is easier? Well, no, 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 no. Hold on for a second. They're both right. Now, what I said no, isn't it's wrong. Ridiculous. The, no, the, the the significant majority of people who have gotten sick or died or been hospitalized are older people or people who aren't healthy. Okay, so I'm not saying that getting the shot doesn't increase or you know decrease the possibility of getting sick regardless of the condition you're in. That's exactly why you, I would. But you you compared it to losing weight no, I, or eating. No, better. I didn't compare it. I added. I added. Thing. I added that your risk factors of being at a certain age, you know, obviously over 65 years old, or not being in shape, being unhealthy, as a significant risk factor with COVID. You don't disagree with that, do you? But that's not what you said. You 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 put it in the same comparison of losing weight and eating healthy. I added it. You know what? All of those things are important. I was curious why you added it. I was curious why you added it. Why? I'm not saying it's not legitimate, I'm trying oh, okay. to go through your no, word no, list That's here. all we need okay? to do. You, you admit that it's legitimate. That's all I need. That, and that was the only point <laughs> I was making. 
because that's because again because again yeah it's a lot easier to get a poke in the arm than it is to lose fifty pounds or forty pounds. Listen, and, I got and an by idea. the way, it's it's. Let me pass on my State Farm insurance, uh, man, and you can you can buy State Farm now. <laughs> I just to think make up for me. I just think, you know, for somebody who really does like you and care about you, even though we have lots of disagreements, I just think for somebody that's as bright as you are, the reason for canceling your State Farm insurance should be more about Aaron Rodgers not being truthful and being a little bit disingenuous. More so than not being vaccinated. That's all. That's okay. That's my opinion. Okay. And I think that the all number right. one reason that you don't have State Farm is because he's not vaccinated. And I would ask you why it took you so long. What took you so long to cancel it? State Farm. Well, because I, th- I thought State Farm was going to come to their senses and eventually drop him. Oh, you <laughs> I wonder. Yes, I did. Do you, think, do you think it's been close to them dropping him? I have no idea. I don't know. I haven't followed. I, I'll bet you his his appearance on the Pat McAfee podcast probably brought, brought him real close. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I I think he is, you know, I think for somebody like Aaron Rodgers, he is, you know, entered into parts of conversations where I don't think he's completely 100% informed, and it's made, I think, an innately very bright person not seem super smart at, at times, but I'll just net out my feeling about the vaccine. And I think we've already talked about this. I wish in many ways, and I don't, I, I don't get mad at anybody. Data, you know, it changes. And medical people's opinions should change based on the most recent data. And they've been wrong a lot from the very beginning. But in hindsight, not that you could have hindsight on something like this, wouldn't it have been great just to say, hey, we've got this shot that if you take it, you're not going to die. Rather than labeling it as a vaccine, label it as a true therapeutic, which is exactly really what it is, more so than it is a vaccine. And I think more people would have taken it. Because I think just labeling Maybe it as a people would have taken it, but but we're talking about the 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 lower lower end of the population here in terms of intelligence. I, I think if, if it's you not it's the, not an intelligence crayon, it, it, it it's oh, it, it's an accessibility oh, oh, thing. It it's certainly an accessibility thing. Um, it is a it's it's a well. I mean, you've got young black men. I think are right now the number one, or at least as of a couple of months ago, I haven't followed this recently, in terms of the uh, category of the most unvaccinated, you have what everybody believes to be the runaway number one, which is all the MAGA hat wearing Trumpers. And they, they have th- these groups of people have one thing in common more than anything else. They are distrustful of the government. And I, I think right. I think that's a big part of this thing. And I think if it wasn't labeled as a government, you know, sort of figured out vaccine and it was more of, you know, hey, take this shot. And you're not going to get sick. You're not going to you're not going to die of covid. Many more people would be vaccinated. But that's as Steve Spurrier would say, hindsight's 50 50. Um, you can't go back and do that because when they you know, when they introduced it, they thought it was going to stop people from getting covid. I mean, 95% efficacy rates, right, with the Moderna and with the Pfizer, 75% with the J&J. Well, it didn't turn out to be that way. Um, but whatever. Right. I mean, you know. Okay. I don't. At this point, you know what's funny? 
Six months ago, I didn't know that many people who had gotten COVID. Now, I don't know that I know anybody that, uh, that I, I'm not sure if I know anybody that hasn't gotten it, except for you. Okay. Very few people I, well, I, do I know that haven't gotten it. Now, it's the Omic- okay. Omicron, primarily, which was obviously not yes. as threatening as Delta. Yeah. Um, anything? Do you think, uh, do you think <laughs> Washington's next quarterback is vaccinated? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I would guess he is, but it, I, I bet you it depends on what his wife tells him is the right move. <laughs> because I think, isn't that kind of why Beal wasn't vaccinated earlier on, or am I misspeaking here? Was it his wife who didn't uh, want that, him vaccinated? That, that, that has been reason, reasonable conjecture since she spoke out when Hank Aaron died and said he died because of the vaccine. Oh. Um, Which Hank Aaron's wife said, no, that's not why he died. Well, he is va- Beal is vaccinated yeah. right now, right? He did get vaccinated. Yes, he is. Yeah. So yes, he's, he is. He's, they started winning, so he got vaccinated. Right, so he's not on your list anymore, which is nice. What about people no. that wait to get vaccinated and need more information? Are they, I mean, they, they're, they're on the list to begin with, but you, do, you, do you take them off the list once they get vaccinated, even though it was late? And they put a lot of people at risk yes. in the process? Yeah. Better okay. late than never. Better late than never. Okay. Um, C.J. McCollum going to the Pelicans as uh, NBA trade uh, talk heats up here. I'm just looking at ESPN's You're not going to talk NBA again, no, are we? I'm not, I promise. Okay, so <laughs> what do you want to – you know, I think I told you, or maybe I didn't. So what I what I um, had uh, over the weekend, and then I stated very clearly on the radio show and the podcast yesterday, is I learned from two very good sources that Russell Wilson would not be against a trade to D.C., Um, I even believe, and I'm not reporting this, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was poking around various D.C.-related people to find out more about what the organization is like. It's a good thing he didn't ask you about what the organization is like. Um, but uh, Or me, for that matter. It's a good thing he matter. didn't ask you what it's, the organization is like. Fair enough, like. fair enough. I mean, I do remember telling somebody who was going to come work for the radio station when it was owned by you know, Red Zebra, which was owned by Dan Snyder. Yeah, we don't really, you know, we don't really know what's going to happen here. Just, you might want to consider renting before you buy. Um, They didn't take that (laughs) advice um, from me. Uh, But anyway, um, I did also yesterday on the podcast, and I said today, I'm like, look, I don't know why Seattle would trade him. I think if if there were a list this year, remember Russell Wilson provided a list last year of the teams that he wouldn't mind being traded to. Um, if I, I think if there were a list this year, DC might, you know, Washington might be on the list. I don't think I don't know if it would be number one on the list, um, but I just don't really see Seattle trading Russell Wilson. I and if they do trade him, I think the Re, the, the the emphasis would be to trade him to an AFC team. So I, I certainly didn't predict as many of you reached out to me on Twitter to say, so do you think they need to add another receiver now that they've got Russ and Terry? <laughs> I mean, uh, literally, I couldn't believe how many people think that I actually said Russell Wilson's on the verge of being traded to D.C. No, I did not. I did not report that. 
I just think the significance of it, Tommy, is that we talk all the time. Why would anybody want to come here? Why would Aaron Rodgers want to come here? Why would Russell Wilson want to come here? And to learn that a player of Russell Wilson's caliber, if he were to be on the trade block, wouldn't dismiss and take D.C. off the list is encouraging. Well, I can't, you know what? You have to look for small victories where you can find them. And somebody who doesn't laugh in your face at the idea of coming to play for this team, I guess it's a small victory. It's, it's well, I mean, as we've, as we've talked, but, but let's be serious here for a moment, and I understand that. And I, I, I understand that. Just somebody not just dismissing Washington because it's a bottom feeder, um, you know, okay, we, we won something. Um, but, uh, you know, there are some reasons why D.C. might make sense for Russell Wilson. And I forget if I mentioned these yesterday on the podcast, but it doesn't matter. I didn't get to talk to Tommy about them. Um, first of all, let me just go through this. I don't think that Seattle will trade him, um, and I think if they do, uh, the, the emphasis would be to trade him to an AFC team. That's number one. Number two is this. Let's just say that he has some say-so in where he goes. Um, and he and his wife, his beautiful wife, Sierra, uh, and the Hollywood couple that they've become. Well, L.A.'s not a possibility. You know, Justin Herbert plays for the Chargers and Matt Stafford plays for the Rams. So Los Angeles is not a possibility. You know, nowhere in California is a possibility. San Francisco is not a possibility because they traded up to draft Trey Lance last year. Now, you could say, well, would you rather have Russell Wilson if you're Kyle Shanahan or Trey Lance? So I'd rather have Russell Wilson. I understand that. I just think that Trey Lance is a pretty good bet on what they're going to be moving forward with. Then you go to New York. Okay, uh, no L.A., no California. What about New York? You know, where they, you know, I'm talking about they want to move to a place other than Seattle. Let's just say that's part of uh, the, the uh, conversation here. Well, the Jets drafted Zach Wilson last year, number two overall, two or three, whatever it was. And the Giants, I mean, there, there is a belief from Brian Dayball in Daniel Jones. There's certainly a belief from the Maras. Now, if I'm, the, if I'm a Giants fan and Russell Wilson becomes available, given that I've got significant draft capital, I am going hard after Russell Wilson because they actually have some talent and they're pretty, you know, they've got some talent on both sides of the ball. Um, they had bad coaching, and they had a quarterback that was not very good and then, by the way, didn't play much, you know, was, was hurt a lot of the year. But it sounds like the Giants aren't moving in that direction. So now what do you, th- you think of? Okay, fi- you know, they want to be on either coast, West Coast, East Coast. There isn't an option on the West Coast other than Seattle. The e- then you get to the East Coast. Well, you know what D.C. is? D.C. is a, a 40-minute private jet ride to New York City. It's not, you know, six – it's not five and a half hours – and, by the way, to, from Seattle to L.A. is three hours. So if they want to spend a lot of their free time, especially his wife, in New York and L.A., well, D.C. is a lot closer to New York than Seattle is to L.A. or New York. And, you know, he's from Richmond, and um, Washington has, you know, the ability in a terrible division, you know, at least on paper, for him to come in right away and have a significant impact. So I think there are, are football reasons why, and, and geographic reasons why it might make sense. Somebody tweeted me and said, you do realize that they wouldn't look at D.C. like they'd look at New York or L.A. Of course, I get it. 
Okay, DC think, for New Yorkers. I think you're is, leaving a city out, though. Philly. I think you're leaving a high-profile city out. What? In terms of glitz and glamour, and that's Miami. Oh, I thought you were going to say Vegas. Um, no, Miami. Yeah. Who just hired Mike McDaniel to be their head coach. Right. Uh, a creative, uh, innovative offensive mind. Right. To, to be their head coach. Now, they may have an owner who's a lunatic and who who's in trouble, but Miami uh, is a high-profile town that I think would suit the lifestyle of the Wilsons. Do you remember meeting Mike McDaniel? Did I already talk to you about this or not? No. You don't remember meeting him? It, it was at Redskin Park. He popped in. I thought it was both you and me. It could have been just me. It was the studio you know, to the left when you walked in the front door at Redskin right. Park, our, our studio, 980 studio. And he popped in one day... I, I, I don't remember. Yeah, and I ended up having like a 20-minute conversation with him. And I just remember going, oh, my God, he is bright, and he's also a bit quirky, but he's really bright because he, um, he listened to our show. Uh, Mike did, too. Uh, Mike, Mike liked the show, too. But anyway, yeah, uh, um, the Miami thing, you know, I, didn't, I did not consider Miami, and not to mention that it's the AFC, you know, and – yeah, and look, two is under. You know, he's on a rookie deal, so there's that too. So th- that that's an interesting situation. You know, Miami is it, Miami doesn't have a lot of offensive talent necessarily, and that's why I think sometimes you look at two and it's like Jesus. I mean, and by the way, Miami's got a phenomenal a phenomenal cap situation for 2022 um, as well. Um, hmm. Yeah. That's that's an interesting okay. one I didn't think about. But anyway, um, I I I still think ultimately it's like there's more of an emphasis now than ever that wait a minute I have one of these guys I have one of these elite guys what am I going to do if I don't have him if I don't have him especially if you're especially if you're Pete Carroll. And you're staying on the coach. Yeah. Are you staying on to break in somebody new? I, that's, that, I don't think so. No, I mean, I, I don't think Pete Carroll comes back for a rebuild. But so, so no, I think you're 100% right there. I think, that, I think that's one of the reasons initially I'm like, well, why would they have brought back everybody if they were going to deal Russ? But, the, you know, Russ wanted to be dealt last year. And there, so the, the question arises, well, why does Russ want out? And I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I have a f- few theories. I think that, you know, it's very possible. And remember Russ last year on the Dan Patrick's show, and this got it all kicked off, you know, complained about the fact that, you know, he wanted to have more of a say. You know, he wanted to be more of the focus like Patrick Mahomes was. You know, the, he's been sacked a hell of a lot over the course of his career. Uh, you know, a lot of sacks are on the quarterback, but they haven't had the best of offensive lines. Um, you know, in Metcalf and Lockett, he's got some pretty decent weapons, and Rashad Penny really came on uh, at the end of last year. 
Um, but I, I think it goes beyond that. I, I think that Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, like there have been some people in the Seattle media that have suggested that that relationship isn't the best and that, you know, maybe they've tired of each other and maybe, you know, Russ is tired of the organization and, you know, they've tired of him. I think, you know, the more you read about Russ, you realize, you know, what a great player he is, we understand, but that he's like, you know, everybody's best friend. You know, he isn't the, the you know, he's not the guy, the guy, you know, guy's guy in the locker room. He's a bit of a Hollywood, you know, type now. I mean, he is, he's that kind of a guy. And, and I, I, I can only tell you this, if he came here, Washington would be a lot better for the next five years. It doesn't matter what they would give up. I mean, you know, there's a point. Uh, but, you know, if it's three first or two first, whatever, um, they'd be a lot better. They'd be winning 9, 10, 11 games a year. They would be in the playoffs more times than not. And when they got to the playoffs, they would have one of those quarterbacks that would give you a really good chance of advancing. I still think if Aaron Rodgers were the quarterback, that that's a totally different situation for the next three years that you're an immediate Super Bowl contender, an immediate NFC Championship contender. And with Russ, you're an immediate NFC East division contender and a playoff team, and you're going to have a chance to win 10, 11, 12 games. With Aaron Rodgers, you're pretty much guaranteed if he's healthy and plays all the games, you're going to win 11 or 12. You know, and you're going to be seated fairly high and you're going to have a legitimate shot when you get there. And I know he hasn't been back to his Super Bowl in forever, but Wilson's 1-4 in his last playoff, uh, five playoff games. But I, 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 I have noticed that people like are like, yeah, you know, he had his worst year last year. He was hurt all last year, most of last year. He missed three games. He missed the first games he's ever missed in his entire career. He had a banged-up thumb. He played hurt for three or four games. And then when he got healthy, they were pretty good at the end of the year. But what do you think Russell Wilson would provide Washington? How much better would they be really? What, what would the expectations be? From for you, if Russell Wilson were the quarterback here next year, my expectations would be two more wins. Two more, two wins. more wins. So nine wins That's next it. year. Just just two. Yeah. Yeah. So you wouldn't. So obviously you wouldn't do the deal. Russell Wilson. I mean, because you're talking about no. a major. No, I'd rather draft somebody. You would. Yeah. Okay. I tell um, you what, if I don't have confidence in my front office that they can go find me a quarterback, then what am I in business for? Yeah, but but what if they come back to you with confidence and say to you, none of these quarterbacks are worth are worth drafting, none of them. Well, then I'd have to reevaluate my position. <laughs> yeah, but it's not going to change your position that he's only worth two more wins. Yeah, but I got to do something. I can't go into the season with Taylor Heineke as, as, or, or 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 Mitch Trubisky as the quarterback next year. Yeah, I know the team president uh, Jason Wright has crowed about what a fantastic uh, fan experience uh, Ghost Town Field <laughs> is these days. But uh, there'll be ten people in the stands if 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 if, uh, if you don't do something at quarterback. Um, yeah, uh, uh, you know, boy, we gotta, uh, we gotta have a conversation about this on Thursday, by the way, we'll talk some Super Bowl, but on Thursday, it'll, it will have been a week since the name change and God, man, I, I'm, 
I'm more surprised. I'm I'm not surprised that people have had the reaction that they've had, but I I think it's even more um, pronounced. I guess is the way I would say it than I even thought it would be. Look on on the quarterback wow. front, Albert Breer in his SI column, um, and I'm looking for the quote and I can't find it, so I'll paraphrase it. Essentially, um, you know, in quoting a you know, a talent uh, NFL talent exec said none of these guys here it is hold on for a second um basically that mac jones would none of these guys would have gotten picked uh, ahead of mac jones last year that mac jones would be the number one quarterback in this draft and he's talking about from the evaluation last year i mean mac jones did okay. a ni- nice job but you know I, I, and by the way i don't I don't know what that's even worth. These quarterback things, even the best of talent Listen, evaluators don't know sometimes. Yeah, go ahead. The guy the guy we're arguing about was drafted in the third round. I know. But okay. I, but but and he's the, the exception to the rule. And went, went, went into, well, okay. But he's specifically the guy we're talking about. And the team that drafted him in the third round went out and signed a, a, a quarterback to be their starter. Yeah, Matt. Oh. You're talking about Seattle with Matt Flynn. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? That's one of those things, by the way, in hindsight, and I'm sure people, I mean, I think we've talked about it before, but, you know, they went out and paid Matt Flynn all that money in 2012 in the offseason, and then they drafted Russell Wilson in the third round, and Pete Carroll was like, uh-uh, this is the guy. <laughs> Let's, I mean, we're not even waiting. Yeah. And he started him in the opener. Like, it wasn't even, it wasn't even close. Yeah. I mean, that's big balls, by yeah. the way. You know, to go back to your... You know, your owner, um, who was, you know, at the time, uh, the Microsoft guy, um, not not Balmer. Paul Allen. Paul Allen, thank you. Paul Allen. To, to go back to Paul yep. Allen and say, um, hey, I know we spent all this money on Matt Flynn, but this other guy's just much better. This is who we're going to play, and we're going to be really good. And, you know, if if he had been there in the fourth round, uh, where Washington picked. I know. Washington wouldn't have taken Kirk Cousins. They would have taken Russell Wilson. I know one of, one of those what if stories. You really only think that they go nine and eight next year if Russell Wilson's the quarterback? I think it's worth two wins. Okay. Um, I think we're going to find out next year that this defense uh, is exactly what they were this year. They, I, I'll tell you what. There's a, one of the big stories that isn't going to get talked a lot about until the quarterback thing is solved is Chase Young. You know his health how he's coming back from a torn ACL, and then, you know, is he going to be somebody that the defensive staff can work with uh, and get the most out of the incredible talent that he has? By the way, back to your your point about they've got to do something. They do have to do something, and this is why Ron Rivera, when he was asked by J.P. Finley about, so, uh, a quarterback, I guess, is going to be a, a big uh, a big topic. And he, he said, dude, he called him dude and said that's the understatement laughing. Look, I don't know if it's Ron that's come to this conclusion or it's Ron with some help from Dan, but they're, they've made it very clear. They're going big, you know, in this offseason for a quarterback. So knowing that, you start with Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Deshaun Watson. I don't know what the situation with Deshaun Watson is. I have no idea whether or not he's on the board or off the board, so to speak. But they're going big. They're going to take a big cut. And there's no – at this point, we're not even sure there's a pitcher to throw, you know, Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers across the plate 
because they might stay where they are right now. And I would still bet right. that Russell Wilson stays in Seattle. But, um, but yeah, um, I they're going to take a big cut at one of them. That's my guess. Because they have to. You, you can't roll out commanders and have it, you know, basically, I mean, it really was a thud. And then all of the branding and the you know, all this stuff that, you know, I mean, it's amazing. This was not a popular day last Wednesday. I don't even think that yeah. it, it, it could have been. If they had nailed it, I'm not even sure it would have been a, a, a day that everybody no. embraced. It was a hard situation. Probably not, but this. When I say when I when I say they have to do something next year, uh, if it's not one of the elite guys that we just talked about, then I think the next best thing is drafting a quarterback because the unknown, at least, of drafting a young quarterback will will excite people to some extent. I totally agree with that. About the only thing I've agreed with you on today, I totally agree with that because. The unknown is going to be a hell of a lot more exciting than Mitch Trubisky. It's just yeah. not even close. The unknown is going to be a lot more exciting than even Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, it's just if they draft Malik Willis, who is the one guy that everybody talked about has a big ceiling but isn't ready, you know, needs time to sit behind somebody. And by the way, Tommy, I think they would do both simultaneously. If they decide, if they miss out on Rodgers, Wilson, and Watson, which I am predicting that they'll miss out on all three, I, I, I hope for my sake and your sake, because I think it'll be better for the podcast, better for the radio, my radio show, if there's real legitimate excitement over a star quarterback. But I think more likely than not that it won't happen. So I think it'll be a combination of Mitch Trubisky and a draft choice. I think that's what it'll be, but it'll be the draft choice that will create the most conversation, and the and and the hope among those that even have it, you know, within their being right now to hope for anything related to this organization. Yes. All right, let's talk for about the few, the proud. Yeah. Let's talk about Kyler Murray and a few other things to finish up the show right after these words from a few of our sponsors. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, a few odds and ends uh, to finish up the show um, with Tommy here on this Tuesday. Darren Ravel, the dude that used to do the business for ESPN, I don't know who he does it for now. Let me see. Um, oh, he works for the Action Network. Uh, he put out this tweet yesterday, top-selling players NFL jerseys by state and the top-selling NFL jersey in particular by team 
by state. I'll start with that one. Now, this map, uh, I may be missing it. I can't really tell if it has D.C. here or not, but I think it does. The bottom line is the top-selling NFL jerseys by team, by state. The state of Maryland, and it looks like D.C. and Virginia, the Ravens, the Ravens jerseys are the number one sellers. Now, I think the most shocking thing here is Virginia, because Virginia's always been, you know, skins, Washington, and now it's Ravens. By the way, I bet next year it's Commanders, just because, you know, even though, you know, it's, they're going to sell a lot of stuff. You know, just the NFL yeah, fans yeah. in general that, that collect these things. But the Ravens, the number one jersey in Virginia, and then the number one player jersey in Maryland, D.C., and Virginia, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> oh, my God. So, by all means, go ahead. Go ahead and build a stadium in Virginia and then raise that white flag and say, Ravens, you can, you can have Maryland. And D.C., I guess. Did you see the um, Virginia thing that I guess yesterday or the day before in the state of Virginia, the Appropriations Committee advanced a bill that would create a Virginia Stadium authority, which would include football by like a 14 to 7 vote or something like that. Michael Phillips wrote about it, you know, clearing the way yeah. for Virginia. So you're you're still in you're you you still believe, right? You'll update me when you believe that Virginia is a real thing cuz you don't think it's a real thing right now. Correct? No. Okay. No, I think the new stadium if and when it's built is going to be right next to the old stadium. Okay. Um Kyler Murray this is an interesting story from Barstool yesterday. Kyler Murray removed all Cardinals-related content from his Instagram and unfollowed the team itself. Um, I You know, in this day and age, Tommy, of Instagram and Twitter and unfollowing your own team and stuff. I don't even know what to make of it anymore because I feel like it happens a lot and then nothing necessarily happens afterwards. Um, but why, why, why is there an issue with Kyler Murray in, in Arizona? I mean, it's like it seems to be the, the right fit with, with you know, his coach and, and the team. I mean, they, 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 they went backwards at the end of the year. There's no doubt about that. But still, I mean, that was a much improved team, a team that looks like a playoff team or a playoff contender for years to come with the Kingsbury, you know, Kyler Murray combo. He's in the final year of his rookie contract. And this is probably about money, that they want to negotiate a new deal. So So uh, he doesn't go into his fifth year without a a long-term deal. So is that what you do now to to let them know how serious you are? You scrub all your social you media of, of any link to the team and the, 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 your employer? Okay. Yes, I think you do. Where does Kyle Murray fit in on your uh, shopping list? Um, hmm. God, I, I, mean, he's, I he's loved... Been, he's been really good. I know the last time we saw him was not a good image, but he's been really good. I loved Kyler Murray coming out. You know, that was the Dwayne Haskins draft. Um, 
I don't know. It's like every single time I watch Kyler Murray, it's one of two reactions. It's either wow or it's, oh, my God, did he just do that? I, I He's so tiny out there. You know, the quarterbacks that always go backwards instead of forwards in the pocket, there's like a concern I think I've always had about those guys since RG3. When, when RG3 had that disastrous year in 2014 with, you know, Jay Gruden's first year when Jay Gruden called him out in, in that story on NFL.com, it was like every Cooley film breakdown is like, yeah, he's going backwards. They're creating a pocket and they're blocking to this depth level and then he's going backwards right into where these blockers are moving the defensive players. All of these sacks are on him. And now Kyler Murray is is a magician in getting out of trouble. Like he's got more of the Michael Vick ability more than the straight line, which was always RG3, kind of straight line vision. And Murray's, you know, got Russell Wilson and Michael Vick kind of vision. And it's amazing to watch him, but I think some of the time is that passing lanes become more of a problem for him. You know, I think that's been the case with Russell Wilson. Cooley's talked about that at times. Um, I mean, I would say, look, if you're asking me, would I take him if Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson aren't available and then we're talking about Kyler Murray or Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh, yeah, of course. I would, I would, okay. It would be so exciting to see him. But I don't think I'm as big of a fan of Kyler Murray as a player, as I used to be. I think he's really good. I don't think he's an elite quarterback. I think he's somewhere like, you know, when you start to get into the 10-plus area in quarterback rankings. But then again, he's still so young. You know, I, I mean, Josh Allen's different physically, obviously. But we were down on Josh Allen, and I'm not saying I'm down on Kyler Murray. I just think he's very inconsistent. He's very inconsistent, and maybe that's just the mark of a super young player at this point. But I think right now they're, you know, I think I could name nine, ten quarterbacks that I would take in front of him. I think I could. Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray would prime the pump though for excitement in yes, this he town. Would. Yes, he would. He would do it. He 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 would he would light the fire. Let me see if I can name that many quarterbacks that I would take in front of him because I'm actually curious about that because now I think I've exaggerated that. Josh Allen, yes. Mac Jones, Tua, Jets, no. Joe Burrow, yes. Lamar Jackson, probably, yeah, yes. Um, yes. Trevor Lawrence, I don't know how to answer that. Mahomes, yes. Herbert, yes. Um, Dak, I don't know. Uh, Rogers, yes. Um, Stafford, yes. Wilson, yes. Those are eight definites, I think. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, there's no doubt that would uh, that would you know. I, I think I think they they try to market him a little bit uh, between now and the first game of next yeah. year. Yeah, I think so. But I, I mean that would get me excited. Having him in town would get me excited. 
But they have in Kyler Murray, they've got a guy right now contract-wise where, you know, you you pick up the the fifth year obviously as a as a, yeah. a did they already p- pick up the fifth year? Where are we on that? Cuz he was drafted 19, right? Cuz that's a Dwayne Haskins um draft. Right. So he's drafted 19. I don't think they've picked 19, it up 20, yet. 20, yeah. So they're going to have to do that this year, I right. guess. And what's right. what's he trying to do? Trying to say, you give me the long term blockbuster deal now. I don't want to play on this well, rookie deal. I don't know deal. what he's trying to say. That's that's what I'm guessing he's trying to say by this uh, by this uh, social media tantrum. Yeah, uh, Murray's eligible for a contract extension now that he's completed three seasons. He's under contract for one more season, and by the way, the fifth year option for 2023 that would pay him more than 25 million. Um, Sure. Does he want to play 2022 under the rookie deal? No. He'd like to get the new deal now. And by the way, they should give him the new deal now. I mean, this is your guy. I would think that, you yeah. know, they're, they're bought in. They've got, you know, they got a top 10-ish guy. But there, but there were rumblings that the owner was very upset with their playoff performance and that the coach was in trouble. I don't know how valid those reports were, but there were reports. You know, the funny thing about it, because we, st- we had the conversation about Russell Wilson and we've been having the conversation, they had a game at home against Seattle, out of the playoffs, Seattle. Arizona needed to win the game and the Rams needed to lose and they would have had uh, the division and home field advantage in that first round game. And they got beat 38-30 to in that game. I mean, they got their ass kicked in that game on the ground in particular. Rashad Penny rushed for 190 yards. Wilson threw three touchdown passes and outplayed Kyler Murray. And Seattle, which had nothing to play for, won the game 38-30 and forced Arizona to go on the road as a wild card team to face the Rams rather than play at home the following week. And they got destroyed by the Rams. They also had that big win at the end. They, I'm looking at it right now, just for for memory's sake. They lost four of their final. Well, they with the playoff game, they lost five of their final six. The one win was at Dallas, when um, you know they had the fumble that they couldn't challenge because it was before the two minute warning and. Your favorite coach, Mike McCarthy, had already used all of his timeouts. By the way, they, they got that they got that whole staff coming back, and I mean, I, Cowboy fans seem distraught, distraught over it. Uh, but um, you know, I think Cowboy fans think Mike McCarthy could get fired in the middle of the season, and then their guy Dan Quinn can take over. Yeah, that's probably right. It's probably right. Uh, look, the the bottom line with Arizona, it got ugly without DeAndre Hopkins. You know that that's a rather big, big missing player from what was a really, really dynamic offense. Um, but he was their best player on offense. So, you know, not having Hopkins um, for the the number of games he missed, and I don't even know how many games it was. It was five or six, I think, that he missed from this season at least. Um, really did hurt, uh, you know, that team. So there you go. Yes. What else do you have? Anything else? I got nothing else. I got nothing else for you, boss. I have to go check and see uh, what my new homeowner's insurance policy is going to be now. Well, was Liz in favor of doing this? Yes, absolutely. Because of Aaron Rodgers? Yes. You know, I'll be honest with you. I don't think I've ever thought about a product consuming it or not consuming it based on their 
ad spokespeople. But you know, well, I have. It's, I know you are. You're an activist. Yeah, you're you're active. You're it's much the, more active than I am. You're, it's, you're, it's your only voice. You're more sensitive than I am too. Um, I'm a delicate flower. You, you're an orchid. All right, what else? That's it, I guess. Uh, I'm back tomorrow with Chris Cooley. So Cooley will be on with me tomorrow. We'll preview the Super Bowl. We'll talk about Russell Wilson and the various quarterback stuff. Uh, All right, have a good day. Uh, We'll talk on Thursday, and we'll do our Super Bowl preview and more, right? Okay, boss, you got it.